Well, hello there, sunshine. Uh, welcome to another episode of Confessions of a PYP Teacher. This is Lou Gerlach with Think Chat. This is confession number 85, which is an overview of how do we evolve our thinking. The meaning of evolve is to develop gradually. This captures the heart of our PYP journey. We are developing gradually into educators that we want to be, so we can help shape young humans into how they want to be. And when you take a step back and pause, it truly is such a beautiful thing. Evolution means that even with our past mistakes, we can continue to develop gradually, slowly, over time into people that we want to become. And as I think about how I have evolved in the past 18 years as an educator, it just like snap. I remember, you know, my parents, my grandparents saying that life goes so quickly. And when I think that I've been an educator for 18 years, it blows my mind. And there are so many experiences that immediately pop into my mind um, in regards to evolution. Um, and I've shared so many stories um, over the past two years. I hope I haven't shared this story or maybe in this uh, lens. So if I have, please excuse me. So in 2015, I looped from fourth grade to fifth grade um, with a set of learners um, amongst three classes um, in my school in Dubai. And our grade level was very well known of having quite a few children that were off task, behavior issues. They were just that rowdy bunch. You know, you have certain waves of certain grade levels. And in particular, I remember in fourth grade, one of my colleagues sent a child to the office every single day. And I remember returning back to school and they asked me to loop up and I discovered that on my roster, I had 18 boys, 18 boys and 10 girls. First of all, that's a lot. That's 28 kids in fifth grade, preteen, you add in all the hormonal changes the need for deodorant, 18 boys. Oh my goodness, it did my head in. And I just remember going through the roster and hearing from prior years of teachers complaining and talking about so-and-so students. I had majority of those naughty boys in my class. And really people knew I had a special education background. That's how I started. And I always got those kids which I didn't mind, to be honest, because I love working with children who are growing into who they are trying to become and being, you know, a springboard for that growth. So what did I do in the midst of my crisis and my meltdown? I had a personal meltdown in my room. And I remember thinking, this ain't happening. And I was moving to a new team. Oh my goodness. And a new teaching partner. So what did I do? I called my mama. That's right, my mama, because that's what grown women do, right? Um, my mom was a retired teacher, as I've expressed before, and my mama had seen it all. She had uh, worked 30 plus years, returned back as a sub at the same campus. So literally it was 40 plus years. And when I called her 
I was expecting, because this is what mamas do. Oh, honey, it's okay. You're going to be all right. Love you. Instead, my mama turned that around and she said, girl, you need to put on your big girl panties. And I was like, mom, this is not the time to lecture me about putting on my big girl panties. Thank you very much. And she just said, you need to deal with it verbatim. That's exactly what she told me. And she reminded me that children go through an evolutionary process. And we have to allow them to grow and mature and that they're not the same learners that they were in fourth grade. They've had a whole summer to reflect, to grow, to learn, and they deserved a fresh slate as they came into fifth grade. And also they didn't have me the year before and I am growing as an educator in my understanding of how to work with children. And so this is a fresh year and a fresh opportunity. And that I had to throw out all those negative comments and just love them. And I told my mama, but you don't understand. There's this one child. She goes, I don't care about that one child. That one child then needs more love and you need to be the one to give it. And since I'm a good girl to the core, I listened to my mama. And not surprising, it was one of the best years of my teaching career. It's one of those years that like burns in your brain. I have many of them, but this one in particular with so many conditions against me of how it could fail, the fact that it soared, it perplexed me but it was also at the same time so simple. So what was the secret ingredient? At the end of the day, I let my learners evolve into humans that were always there, but they didn't realize it because I set the conditions for them to flourish. How did I do that? I changed my viewpoint my lens of how I looked at those learners instead of troublemakers, instead of boisterous, instead of challenging, I chose to look at them as agentic, capable, self-initiated and passionate learners. I chose not to look at children that were sent to the office every day, but looked at how can I use this as an opportunity to build relationships so this child will care and want to be in the classroom rather than to leave it. It took a lot of time. It took a lot of energy. And I can attest that that's when I recognized that I had not been establishing as strong of relationships with my learners in the past that I should have been. That is the crux of it all. I built true relationships with them. And I recognized their various talents. And in short, I got out of their way so that they were allowed to demonstrate their own agency of how they learned. We had discussions, we had provocations, we had so many times where their thinking was off the charts so good because I stopped suggesting things and asking for their ideas. And a result, I didn't have that many behavior issues all year long. 
And that boy who was sent to the office every day in fourth grade only went once. And because we're human, he made a silly mistake, right? He made such a silly mistake. He recognized he made a silly mistake. And the thing that made my heart happy was that he was he was in tears in the office. I wasn't happy because he was in tears. But the words that came out of his mouth is, I'm so sorry, miss. I know I've disappointed you. And I said, yes, you have. And you kind of broken my trust a little bit. But no, we all make mistakes. And I still love you. I still care about you. And I still know you're a fabulous little human. Don't beat yourself up because we all make mistakes. Game changer. So how, my gosh, I still love this group of kids. They're now, my goodness, they're now entering next year into their senior year of high school. I just can't believe it. And what's really interesting to me is that, you know, I remember that year I had to put a lot of trust in the system that they would make choices to evolve. And I will never forget the naughtiest pack of boys coming to me and saying, hey, miss, we want to be together as a group for the PYP exhibition. And my instant response was, oh, heck no. Heck no. And they said, please, miss. We have prepared, they prepared a business plan. They came to me and told me how they would manage their time, allocate responsibilities, and demonstrate their thinking, their uh, final products. And by the time I was done, or they were done, I was so impressed by their forethought, I said, to heck with it. This is their exhibition experience. They've really thought about this. So it's not my decision to make. It's their experience. So I let the team go for it. And what was so beautiful is they truly lived up to their promises. And it was a delight to see them mature and evolve and grow. So how did I get my learners to this point? We ex well, I explicitly taught them how to reflect deeply on their actions and in their learning. Reflective practice is more than providing a prompt for our learners to respond to in our writing journals. True reflection is looking back at our prior behavior, our prior thinking, and our connections that we've made along the way. This is where metacognition comes to life. It's the process of where we reflect on how and what we know. It examines what we all need in order to move forward so that we can evolve as young people and as older people. This cannot happen if we engage learners into some sort of reflective practice once a week on a Friday afternoon when they're fried green tomatoes. It has to be part of our da uh, daily practice in order to become a disposition. So what are the benefits of reflecting regularly? I once heard Simon Sinek um, the author of Man, of um, Starting With Why, Finding Our Why, um, Leaders Eat Last, he said that in quiet moments when we're alone with ourselves, 
that's when innovation occurs or something like that. And this really stuck with me. And he brought up a, a scenario of you going out with your friends. And when your friend um, goes to the restroom, most of us, because of our social awkwardness, will pull out our phone to deflect that we're sitting there alone. He goes, but that is a distractor of our innovative process. The moments that we make aha moments and aha connections is when we are quiet and still with ourselves. Think about that. And he challenges people to leave the phones off. Well, maybe just have one on so you can take care, you know, pictures of your food. But in the group, have them turned off so they're not a distractor for innovation. That really made me think. And how are we doing this with our learners? Mentally having them turn off their devices so that they can have innovative moments to think. Reflection is a vital process of the PYP planning process. Why? It's through this reflective practice that we're able to openly assess without egos involved, work what worked well with our learners, what stank to high heaven. And then we can pose some suggestions of how we can do things differently the next time. This helps us to evolve our unit construction and learn from our past mistakes. Also, it helps us to look at teaching through varied lenses so we can support a variety of learning styles and interests. With every evolution process, it happens gradually. We are not rushing to the end. In fact, we're more concerned with the journey. That's why we talk about it as a PYP journey. It's a slow and winding road towards self discovery. I love Joe Amabile where he says that teaching is a 30 year like road to self-discovery. Love that or journey towards self-discovery because that's what it's all about. It's about us learning who we are and where we are in this process. And at times it feels like on this journey that the hills you climb seem endless. And then when you finally get to the peak, you're already heading back down and starting all over. But as you become more familiar with the planning process, the peaks and valleys will regulate themselves and you will find a rhythm that's all your own as a team. And I promise it does get easier with time. But it took me, gosh, eight to 10 years. And I know that sounds like a lot, but when you think about it in relation to a 30-year trajectory, it's a third of your time, a quarter of your time. It's not a lot. To help me to really understand the process. And remember, you don't need to master everything as a new teacher. It took me about five years to understand what routines and strategies and practices I was going to use to make my class run smoothly. So why wouldn't it take equally amount of time to set up a PYP classroom? The main thing to remember is that a, the PYP is a continuous cycle of evolution. You will never reach a point where you think, I made it, because your kids are not the same every year. Something's always changing. 
You might feel more confident in the process. You might, you know, feel like, hey, I've got a wider bank of strategies, but every year new learners come in and shake it up and give you new things to consider that you hadn't thought of before. And at the same time, we're not the same. The strategies we used, you know, two years prior look kind of babyish to us because we've grown in our understanding of what it means to be a PYP educator. We've matured. We've gained some confidence. We've gained some skills that we didn't have before. Something to think about in our evolutionary process. Now let's go over to the next episode to move on to our challenge because it's time to power up, my friends. All right, see you over there.